Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest on the show today. He just finished up filming a five minute video here with us at PragerU. Now, a bit of a backstory. So every year PragerU has an employee retreat. And this year we all got a book for our employee retreat and an American flag. Now, the name of that book was Live Not By Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents written by Rod Dreher. And we have him on the show today. Rod, thank you so much for being on. It's so great to be here. Oh, fantastic. Now, I want to start off by reading the first sentence in chapter one of your book. Sometimes a stranger who sees deeper and farther than the crowd appears to warn of trouble coming. Now, in my experience, my stranger was Yuri Bezmenov, a a KGB defector who was talking about the influence of propaganda and communism in America. And for a lot of people, you're now that stranger who's, (laughs) who's bringing the warning. So let's assume you're the stranger for everybody listening right now. What is your warning? My warning is that in the West today, we are slipping into a kind of totalitarianism that is similar but not equivalent to the totalitarianism of the Soviet Union, the hard totalitarianism. And the message didn't come from me. It came to me Mm -hmm. from people in this country who had escaped the Soviet Union, escaped the communist world during the Cold War and thought they were coming to freedom in America. Well, what they're now seeing happen in America today is the emergence of conditions like what they left behind. When I first started hearing this from these people, I thought, surely they're exaggerating, not here in America. This couldn't happen here. But the more I listened to them, the more I realized that they were actually seeing things that the rest of us couldn't see, in part because we think it can't happen here. Mm -hmm. And mostly we're talking about cancel culture, about wokeness, about people being afraid to say what they really think, to, um, to worship like they want to worship, and so on and so forth. These are things that came to the communist world. This, this was the first wave of communism there, but it wasn't the last. And what these people are telling, trying to warn Americans and Europeans is that, wake up, it's happening right here. You can stop it, but not if you continue to just to sit by passively and watch things happen. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's become so pervasive in our culture now that you nearly can't avoid it. And people are trying to call it out and and call attention to it. But still, people fall sort of it falls sort of on deaf ears. And why do you think that is? And and are you optimistic about us sort of breaking that barrier when it comes to that conversation? I think a lot of it goes ignored by people in our country because so much of what's being done is done in the name of compassion. You know, Mm -hmm. if you look at George Orwell's 1984, which was the literary equivalent of Stalinism. You know, that was a dystopian totalitarian society in which the state and the powers that be enforced their ideology through pain and terror. Well, we don't have that here, so right. we people think that, what is he talking about, totalitarianism? I think a better model for us is uh, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, the other 20th century totalitarian novel. In that totalitarian world, the totalitarianism is enforced not by pain and terror, but by managing people's comfort and pleasure. So uh, I think that's why we don't understand what's happening to us, because the the new totalitarianism is done in the name of compassion, the idea that uh, if you object to it, then you must hate people. You must hate sexual minorities, religious minorities, racial minorities, and nobody wants to be a hater. Mm. So they stay silent and they allow our liberties to be taken from us. And what the people who grew up under hard totalitarianism are saying is 
this is real, what we're seeing happen now. And it's sneaking up on you because it's all done in the name of making America a safe space for uh, and a compassionate space. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I often say that wokeism is sort of this beast that's born out of empathy and wanting to sort of shelter people from suffering and oppression and perceived suffering and oppression, I sure, guess that sure. is. Now, you present an interesting idea in your book, and it's one that's echoed by a lot of intellectuals, that progressivism has now become a religion of sorts. Mm-hmm. Now, Dennis Prager says that it's a religion that has more sins than any other. <laughs> and yeah. I have this quote specifically from you in your par- uh, in your uh, chapter, Progressivism as Religion. Social justice warriors believe that human nature is constructed largely through the use of linguistic conventions. Can you explain that sort of idea a little further? Sure. That's why they care so much about which pronouns we use and the language we use to talk about reality. They believe that language itself doesn't simply describe reality, but creates reality. And that's why for most normal people, we think it's crazy that they would care so much about the language we use. But for them, this is what constitutes uh, their, their reality, the reality of their identity, and reality everywhere. But it's kind of a form of hocus pocus, you know, and, and the rest of us laugh at it. But here's the thing. The people who run our institutions now, I'm talking about universities, media, corporate America, even lately, the military and the CIA, They've all bought into this wokeness. They've all bought into the idea that language creates reality and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And um, if, they all, if all the people who, uh, who exert power in this society believe this sort of thing, then we all have to believe it too, or we get punished. This is how it was in the Soviet Union. Over there, the, whatever the, the government said, whatever lies it had to tell in the name of ideology, whatever language it used to mask its lies and sell its lies, people had to agree with it or they would go to prison. Ultimately, though, this can't last. Mm. The Soviet Union finally collapsed because reality is real. It's not just a linguistic construct or any other kind of construct, but there can be a lot of ruin in a nation before reality reasserts itself. And I'm afraid we're going to live through that. Yeah, it seems like that that is the case. And that honestly leads me right into my next question is even in the conservative and Christian realm, there seems to be a lot of people who have adopted adopted that sort of rationale, who are sort of abandoning reason and logic and, and adopting more progressive thought. Now, what can we do as conservatives and Christians who are against that to mm-hmm. sort of speak to those people and start a conversation? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of Christians who are adopting wokeness are doing it for the best of reasons. They want to be compassionate. And there's nothing wrong with being compassionate. Mm -hmm. They want to fight racism. That's the right thing to do as Christians. And they want to at least not make the struggles of people who are dealing with transgenderism, with uh, same-sex attraction, whatever. They Mm. don't want to make their lives harder. These are things I admire. On the other hand, we cannot say that something we believe is untrue is true. And I I think if you go back and look at the experiences of the persecuted church, whether it's the persecuted church of the past in the communist countries or the persecuted church today in uh, in the Middle East, in China, and elsewhere in the world, they will tell you that things are very, very different from bourgeois, middle-class American morality. I was just in Europe and met a Christian from Egypt. You know, the Coptic Christians over there have been persecuted for 1,200 years. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he actually feels sorry for us Americans because he said, as we know from 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 the Bible, from our faith, that it's more dangerous to lose your soul than your body. 
You know, and he feels that American mm-hmm. Christians are losing our soul because we're so afraid of the world. We want so badly to be thought of by, well by the world, but we, we fear the world more than we fear God. And I, I think that if we recognize that to be a Christian is always to be out of step with the world, what, of whatever world you find yourself in and whatever era you find yourself in, we have to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a great book that I read recently by a Protestant pastor named Vadi Bokum, um, African-American evangelical pastor who talks about wokeness as being uh, anti-Christian. Good brothers and sisters in Christ like him, we have to listen to them because they are seeing things that the rest of us either can't see or are too afraid to talk about. Last point, there was a Christian academic named Rene Girard who taught at Stanford. Mm -hmm. He was one of the great intellectuals of the 20th century. Uh, He died a few years ago. Girard said that in the end of days, that when the Antichrist comes, he will be like a false Christ. He will try to be more compassionate and more just than even Jesus Christ was. Gerard said before he died that he could see in what we now call wokeness, the word didn't exist then, he sees perhaps the um, presentiment of the Antichrist because the woke are trying to be more just and compassionate than even Jesus. Wow. My goodness. This, so the stories and things that you must have heard through, through these interviews have, must have altered you in some way, even though you're very grounded in these, mm-hmm. these thoughts and these beliefs. How have you changed through the work that you've been doing for this book? You know, I'm so glad you asked that because I live a pretty comfortable life. I'm mm-hmm. like a hobbit. You know, I like to sit at home <laughs> and drink, drink my tea Gosh. and, you know, and cook uh-huh. dinner for people, read my books. But in talking to the people in the former Soviet bloc about what they went through, especially those who went to prison, and I realized how important suffering was for our faith. I uh, talked to a Baptist pastor, an elderly Baptist pastor in Moscow, who looked at me in the eyes and said, you go home and you tell the American church that your faith means nothing if you're not prepared to suffer for it. On that same trip to Moscow, I talked to a man who had spent years in prison, a Russian Orthodox man for evangelizing, and his face is partially paralyzed from the beatings he took. He actually told me that he had uh, visions in prison where God sent angels to, to bolster him and tell him that your suffering is not in vain, that people are being converted and will be saved for all eternity because of the things you've been, you've been willing to suffer. Now, this is radical f- stuff for us Americans. The church today, whether it's Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, whatever, we are so accustomed to thinking that the faith is all about feeling good about ourselves Mm -hmm. and feeling comfortable. Here we have these believers saying, that's not it. If you think that's what the faith is, you're going to collapse when the secret police come to take you away. This was made so... uh, deeply impressed in me by these people. And again, when you're looking at a man who's crying, remembering his beatings in prison Mm -hmm. that he took because of his faith, it it can't help but get into your heart. Wow. Wow. So that's a lesson everybody listening right now, sort of put yourself out of the scope of your own life and try to learn about others and how they practice faith and just simply how they live. And you'll have this deep appreciation for the freedom that you get to have here in America and for your faith itself. Rod, thank you so much for being on the show. 
It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I should say before we go, I dedicated this book to the memory of a Catholic priest named Father Tomislav Kolakovich. Mm-hmm. Father Kolakovich was a Croatian Jesuit who was doing work against the Nazis in 1943. He heard they were coming for him. He escaped to Slovakia and uh, told the people there, the Christians there, that the good news is the Germans are going to lose. The bad news is the uh, Soviets are going to be ruling this country when it's over. And the first thing they're going to do is persecute the church. He began to prepare the church for this persecution. Mm -hmm. His own bishops told him, Father, stop scaring people. It will never happen here. But he knew better. Sure enough, everything he predicted happened, but because Father Kolakovich saw what was coming and found people, Christians, who were willing to lay the groundwork for the resistance, the underground church in that country survived for 40 years of communist oppression. We are in a Kolakovich moment here in America now, and we Christians and all our allies had better get ready for it. You're absolutely right. And that's something we try to focus in on the show is just, I know it sounds scary. It sounds like we are just being alarmist, but these things can happen and they do happen. They've happened historically over and over. And to think that they won't happen here is is just not rational. So that's a, a very valid warning. Uh, Rod, how can people support you and this book? Well, they can get the book. Um it's on sale everywhere. I prefer they buy it from independent bookstores, right. but you can get it on Amazon if you want. Um, I write a blog daily at theamericanconservative.com. I have a substack, rodreer.substack.com, on which I focus on spiritual issues. And of course, I'm on Twitter at rodreer. Amazing. So everybody listening right now, go get yourself a copy of Live Not By Lies by Rodreer. Thank you again for being on the program. It was great fun.